Shut up and sit down. Guys, we're back. Episode six of the HW Prospect Show. Here with my co-host Alex Appleyard, and we have a guest today, Ted Brown of the Philly uh, Authority and Last Word on Sports. Also with Philly is Flyer. Ted, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? Doing great. Sticking out a storm over here. We got a little pandemic on our hands, but it could be worse. Uh, so sure. doing okay. My gutter's hanging by a thread, but we'll get to that later. We got a pod to do. Uh, so yeah, it could be a lot worse. Really glad to have you on. Talk some prospects and some phantoms hockey today. Alex, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm pretty good as well. We're also having a bit shitty weather, but uh, not quite as bad as yours, I imagine. And uh, yeah, also weathering out the pandemic as it stands. Yeah, I mean we're, we're banging out shows left and right. I feel like with all this time on our hands and. You know, it's been fun. Like we're covering a lot of a lot of guys T- today. We're gonna, like I mentioned, we're gonna cover some prospects. We have a a couple prospects here that that you guys picked out. Uh, we'll do same format as we've always been doing. We'll go back and forth, and let's dive right in, guys. Let's not waste any time because I know the the people listening are dying to hear about hockey. We have uh, the draft is scheduled to, well, it's still planned on happening in June, and m- maybe if you guys have heard anything different, I think we've mentioned on past shows there. Uh, an option as of right now is to select the order based off points percentage. Uh, they'll still do the lottery for the bottom 11 teams or top 11, however you look at it. And so, yeah, right now we have the Flyers picking around pick 26. Past shows, we've looked at guys that could potentially go at 26, uh, first, second round. These are guys that you guys specifically wanted to talk about, and maybe we can get to why. First on the list here is Luke Evangelista. He's a guy who I don't think many people had even on their watch list to start the season. Uh, he's a right winger, uh, 5'11", 165 pounds from kind of the London Knight system and the Hunter brothers. And that's been a very vaunted system for years on end now. They've been producing players pretty much left, right and center. Um, and Evangelista, I think, is kind of the next person in line in regards to uh, coming out of that um, OHL program and really making a potential impact in the NHL. They've always had a really deep team, and I think that really hurt his stock towards the start of the season. He was drafted 14th overall in the um, OHL uh, priority draft, uh, first round pick from the London Knights. And, you know, to be picked by the London Knights, they're a team with a lot of um, a lot of sway, and they can kind of get the guys they want a bit more than other teams. Um, but last year, he was really buried on a really deep team and was only put up two points in 27 games, was playing kind of fourth line minutes, sometimes as a number 13 forward, getting one minute 30 a night. Um, so everyone kind of, I think, overlooked him and thought it was a bit of a maybe a OHL draft bust. Um, but this year, he's really started to shine. Uh, he started the season in a bottom six role um, and since then worked his way up effectively onto the first line. He was uh, playing with Foodie and McMichael at the end of the season. And those guys are both really, you know, first round talents. Um, but one thing that I think most people will kind of look at when they just see his point totals is, yeah, he had 61 points in 62 games, which is solid, but nothing exceptional. But when you look a bit into it a bit deeper, he spent half the season kind of in a third line role with Strangers and Wilms and Dunkley, not kind of really high-end talent, although Antonio Strangers is a pretty pretty good player himself. Um, but he didn't really get any power play time. Towards the end of the season, he was getting um, power play time on the half boards and helping run the power play from there. But only two of his points 
um, out of the 61 all season came on the power play. So 59 non-power play points in 62 games. Now, London Knights are a good team in a high-powered offense. Um, but to be able to put up 0.95 non-power play points per game in your draft year is something pretty exceptional, actually. And really, there's no one who's put up more than that and not became at least a solid third-line NHLer. I think um, you've got to go down to like 0.9, 0.87 over the last 15 years of guys producing an even strength in their draft year to see guys who kind of didn't didn't make it. Um, so from that perspective, his statistical profile is a lot better than it actually looks. And when you start to look at him as a player as well, there's a lot to like. He's really agile. He's really tenacious, kind of frustrates opposition defensemen with his forechecking. He's also a diligent backchecker um, and has really nice stick work in the neutral zone as well. He knows how to channel players to uh, outside the danger areas. In terms of his offensive skill set, he has good hands and a good shot, but he could probably use it more. He's very much a playmaker, first and foremost, from the wing. But when it comes to his playmaking, he's a fantastic passer who sees the ice really well. And he's generally a step ahead of the play all the time. Now, obviously, this all sounds really great. And I would also say there are really no holes to his game. There's nothing that you look at and go, oh, he really, really needs to work on that or he's not an NHLer. Going forward, he just needs to get stronger. Um, he gets beaten board battles a bit too much for my liking, um, even if he's very willing to go into those danger areas and work for the puck. Um, and the other thing that I think he needs to improve going forward is while he's an agile skater, he just has okay top speed. He can beat guys with his stride. Um, but it could be better because he gets a bit choppy and a bit wide on his skates at times. But apart from that, you know, there's a real, real lot to like about this kid. And, you know, some people don't even have him ranked in the, in the third round. Um, personally, I think he'll go in the second round and he might slip to the Flyers in the second round. But I think he's a potential first-line talent, first-round talent even. So this is a kid who, and I mentioned before the show a couple of weeks ago, like I, I didn't even, I didn't know who he was. And now, within the last week or so, I'm seeing this kid, Luke Evangelista, kind of sneaking into the first round in some rankings. And, you know, it's you were you couldn't wait to talk about uh, this this player before we came on. I mean, he was a guy you mentioned right away. This is somebody that you like. Yeah. I mean, in terms of his potential, he's a he's such a good passer that I think going forward, you can envisage him playing on an NHL power play, maybe power play one, maybe power play two and run power play two. But he hardly got that chance to shine this year with London and if he would have been on their power play um, I think he would have been up there kind of clocking at 1.2, 1.3 points per game and be really talked about as a top 20 pick because I don't think there were really any big flaws to his game um, and I think down the line there's the potential for him to be a supporting first line winger I would say, you know a guy who could put up maybe 60 or so points in the NHL 40 assists, 20 or so goals I mean I would like him to shoot more, I would like him to get a bit bigger and like to see him maybe clean up his strides slightly. A lot of people talk about his skating being really good. And I think his skating is good, solid. He's really agile, but I do think he just needs to add a bit at the top end and um, make his stride a bit smoother. But he can beat people wide. And he's got hockey in his blood as well. He's uh, Brendan Shanahan's second cousin. So it's a good start. <laughs> and also accounts for some of his tenaciousness. I was going to ask, has he got any of that in him? And I guess so. Is this a guy at 26, would he be considered a reach? Or is this somebody that the Flyers could potentially nab in the second round this is a difficult one because i personally don't think he's in enormous reach at number 26 i mean you saw the flyers with morgan frost a few years ago um take him late in the first round and everyone was saying like you know Ely tolvanen was on the board and Ely tolvanen i thought was a great prospect and he's still a pretty good prospect um and everyone thought oh frost you know maybe he's a bit of a reach but he's proven since that he really wasn't and i think evangelista could be exactly that same kind of kind of profile down the line yeah he's probably 
most teams probably have him in the 40 to 60 range, but I do imagine there are a few teams that have him late first round. And if the Flyers are one of them, I don't think it would be an enormous reach um, at 26. I think when I come out with my final rankings, he will probably be in that kind of 20 to 30 range. I can't say exactly where right now, but I think he's got that kind of talent um, to be a potential first line winger. And I think that's what you're really looking for with your first round picks. Now, I do think there might be better players there when the Flyers pick. We've talked about uh, Zion Nybeck before. We've talked about Jan Mishak. Um, they might be there, and they're, I think, higher upside than Evangelista. But he's definitely kind of in the mix at the end of the first round. And if he falls to the second, he's the kind of guy that potentially is a home run pick. Okay. Uh, Ted, before we move on to Jack Finley, do you have anything you want to add there to Luke Evangelista? Not really. I've only seen um, him play at the top prospects game. Okay. And he did pop in that game for sure. But uh, I've only seen him for one game, so I'm not sure I'm going to give an informed opinion. Sure, that's perfectly fine. No problem. So let's move on to one of your guys here. We have Jack Finley. All right, so Jack Finley, he is almost 6'6", 213-pound center in the WHL for the Spokane Sheets, and he's a September 2002 birthday. He's humongous big, and he's very young for this draft class. Yeah. Lots of runway left for future development. He has a long skating stride where he generates a lot of power. That's especially noticeable in short areas. Good skater in all facets, really. Not just a good skater for his size, just a good skater, period. He is a fantastic face-off player. He's one of the best among all 2002 first-year draft-eligible centers in the CHL. Only, I think... Marco Rossi and Rory Karens won more faceoffs. So his work on the power play was a little bit spotty because they had a pretty good uh, first power play unit, but he would u- be used sometimes as a net foot presence and uh, sometimes on the right half wall. He's very good at tips and deflections on the power play and just in general because he's just so big, good net foot presence. Um, on the penalty kill, he was relied on pretty extensively, and that's kind of rare for a 17-year-old. So that's something that's pretty good to see. He's just, in general, leaned on defensively a fair bit, and he was able to accomplish what his coaches have asked of him. He doesn't really lose his check often or make poor reads. Pretty polished for his age defensively. On the offensive side, he's a gifted passer who hits moving targets with ease. And he sets up his teammates with deception and some surprising creativity. Decent shot, but it could use some more power and accuracy. He played a lot with Adam Beckman, who was one of the best WHL skaters this past season. And um, he more than held his own on that line. One thing that stood out that was pretty surprising was um, only Seth Jarvis had more even-strength primary assists than Finley did this season. Wow. Among all first-year WHL draft-eligible prospects. So that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. He's a player who is probably going to be around in the third or fourth round. Depending on who's available, though, late in the second, I would consider... I'd be fine with the Flyers going after him because there is just so much to like about him. There's not a whole lot of slack in his game. And you can also never have enough center depth in your organization either. 100% agree. Yeah. Potential third-line center at the NHL level, maybe more. I mean, he's just so young that 
and he was used in such a defensive role that once he gets more of an offensive role, I think there's a lot more layers to his game that were shown this year. This this player is intriguing to me. He sounds like the prototypical like Flyers draft pick. I mean, big center, uh, a la Sean Couturier, Nolan Patrick. Great defensive, uh, solid defensive game. Uh, top faceoff winner, right? Like, I don't know. Sounds like somebody the Flyers would take. You know, if uh, I would assume. I mean, this is a guy you said if he's there in the second round, you'd like him to take a shot. Yeah, I mean, depending on who's there, I definitely um, give that strong consideration if I were the Flyers. I got, I got to tell you, and Alex, Alex is going to laugh at me. Six foot five, two hundred and seven pounds as a seventeen-year-old. Like this is a monster. This is not a kid. No, like, he's, he's a grown man. Yep, he's a monster, man. <laughs> I want that. I want that on my team. And you're telling me he can skate? Yeah, he can skate really well. I mean, I remember looking up his. He's all six five, two thirteen. Is he? Uh, can he skate? It's like, yeah, he can skate. Yeah, I, I want that, and he can win faceoffs. I mean, you think about the Flyers now, like. Who's kind of their net front presence guy, like JVR, right? Or uh, who who else? I mean, they just acquired Derek Grant. Uh, Wayne, it was Wayne Simmons for so long. Yeah. The way you're the way you're talking about this kid, it's like they could really use a kid like this in the future. I mean, especially if we're looking at uh, you know prospects and whatnot, and we'll get to the Phantoms in a little bit. If if you look at what what kind of prospects the Flyers have now, do they have a kid like this in their pipeline? I'm not sure. At center, no. I don't mm-hmm. think so. That would be a really intriguing pick. That's a really interesting uh, name here. Uh, anything else uh, to add there, Ted? No, he just – he fascinates me, and I just want to watch him play more. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a good name there. Alex, anything on Jack Finley? I've only actually really got around to watching him in the last couple of weeks. Now I've got more time on my hands. The WHL was really the area of the draft where I'd kind of I wouldn't say overlooked, but, you know, I generally my process over the year is I keep up with the Euros all year long. And then I start kind of as the year gets gets on, when I feel really comfortable with the Euros, start looking into the CHL and the USHL. Um, and the WHL was the last of the junior leagues that I really got around to kind of looking at players and looking at statistical profiles, watching game tape on them. Um, so I got to watch quite a bit of Finley in the last couple of weeks. And, yeah, I think he's a really, really interesting player. I mean, the first thing to say is I think he might be underlisted weight-wise even. Oh the guy's God. a physical freak for his age. Um, and he also, the CHL have, you know, kind of their uh, top prospect sport testing combine or whatever um, each year. He backed up the on-ice results in terms of his skating and explosiveness with his off-ice testing as well. He just, he blew everyone completely out of the water. Um, he was top 10 in every single event and like top five in maybe four or five of the events that they did as well. Just, you know, strength testing, medicine ball tosses, grip testing, pro agility testing, kind of on the feet, um, recovery testing. So, you know, he's a really, really good athlete. And yeah, really well-rounded game. I think his game will transfer to the NHL. I think it's just a matter. The only thing that I kind of worry about with him, potentially, is his absolute upside. I think it's very, very likely he plays in the NHL. I'm still debating whether I see him higher than kind of a good 3C. When I look at his game sometimes, I think like, you know, he has a really nice skill set and he's a real physical freak and he's good defensively and he can kind of do everything. But I kind of worry, is he has he got more than maybe 35 or 40 point potential at the NHL level? But I think that's the only real flaw you can kind of bring up with him. 
And like we were talking about with Evangelista, he's a guy who's from an NHL family. His dad, Jeff, played kind of a long time with uh, the Islanders, uh, over 700 NHL games as a defenseman. And funnily enough, his dad, Jeff, is now a Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets amateur scout. So mm-hmm. I imagine the yeah, Jets are keeping an eye on him. And while we're talking about the Jets, someone who I think he kind of compares to at the NHL level is actually one of my favorite bottom six players around the NHL. And that's Adam Lowry from the Winnipeg Jets. Okay. Lowry is, you know, a left wing come center instead of a pure center. Uh, but he reminds me kind of quite a bit of him in terms of, you know, a physical freak who good defensively can chip in some points as well and is a real valuable asset. So for me, I'd, I think there will be better players available in the second round. But if he's, you know, I think he's probably going to fall to the third or maybe even fourth round. And if he's there when the Flyers pick in the fourth, I think they, they were unlikely to be many players better than him there. And if they could acquire a third round pick, he'd be a guy I would target. So, yeah, I do like Finley. And I think um, maybe not the upside of some of the other guys, but he's a, he's a really intriguing prospect. Yeah, I'm sold. Uh, I think if, if they can get this guy, like you guys are saying, in in a, uh, in a in a later round, wow, it almost sounds like a steal. Like they need a guy like this in the system. So great pick there by uh, by Ted and, and Jack Finley. Um, let's move on to the next guy on our list here, and we have Tristan Robbins. Yeah, Tristan Robbins uh, is a. Uh... He's another guy who I think kind of really started to climb people's draft boards over the season. You know, he played in the WHL last year for Saskatoon and was a solid player, but didn't kind of really stand out that much or make anyone think he was going to be, you know, a top top few rounds picks. But over the season with Saskatoon, I mean, when you just look at the numbers off the off the off the bat, you know, 62 games played, 33 goals and 73 points. Now, he was on a pretty poor team and got a lot of really good opportunity. But he had to work for that opportunity. He started the season at right wing in the middle six um, and ended up working his way up to be in the 1C on the team. And a team without that much talent, quite honestly. In terms of his skill set, I don't think he really flashes crazily at anything apart from his skating. He's a really agile skater with a great top gear. He just leaves guys in the dust within a step or two. And apart from that, everything else is just kind of really good and solid. Uh, his work ethic really can't be faulted. He's just all over the ice. He's a really good four-checker, great at getting in lanes, very good at turning the puck over, actually. He's um, great at stealing the puck, kind of Mark Stone-esque in that regard, breaking up passes, and he can also penalty kill. Um, outside of that, he really likes to shoot and does have a good shot, um, and he's patient with the puck, quite creative and a good passer, but his shooting and his passing neither really jump off the page. Um, he just has kind of good IQ um, and a well-rounded skill set, along with nice hands and good skating. But yeah, he, I think one of the reasons he's he's generally listed kind of as a third round pick or so. Um, and I think the reason he's that far down is he just doesn't have any kind of thing that's exceptional, maybe apart from being a very good skater. Um, mm. And he's kind of a bit smaller at 5'10", although he's quite well filled out at 175-ish pounds already. But what I really want to highlight is the last, the back end of his season. He's one of the older guys in the draft class. He's a 2001 birthday. And he started the season kind of slow in that middle six. But once he got put in the 1C position, and once he got power play time, he just dominated offensively. He got 51 points in his last 31 games, which was only behind Seth Jarvis in the back half of the WHL. And Jarvis might be a top 10, 15 pick. So, you know, Robbins is an interesting guy um, in that regard. He might be available in the as the third round. Obviously, the Flyers don't have a third round pick, but it would be nice to maybe acquire one in that range or move up if someone like that is there. But I think he potentially has back end of the second round type talent. I'm not sure if he's a center at the next level. He might switch over to right wing, where he's also played kind of extensively. Um, but down the line, I think he can be a really good middle six NHLer with 45 points and a well-rounded game. The only real knocks on him are kind of his size and the fact that 
nothing really stands out or flashes overly. But yeah, I, I really like his game and think he's uh, if he just keeps developing, he's going to be an NHL player. Interesting, you know, you you brought up his his point totals here, and I I just happened to look and see. I mean, 33 goals in 62 games would rank him 11th in the WHL. Got a couple, you know, notable names in front of him. I think Ted, you mentioned Adam Beckman earlier. Obviously, led the league with 48 goals, and then you have Seth Jarvis in third, Connor Zari fifth, and then Dylan Cousins uh, in sixth. I mean, so there's some notable names uh, in front of Rob, uh, Robbins there. I, I guess you, you're thinking third round pick for for Robbins, huh? I mean, if he's there in the third round, I think it'd be a fantastic third round pick. But okay. given where I see his upside, kind of as a good middle six winger, probably at the NHL level with 45 points, I think it's it would be fair to take him in the end of the second round, and I think some teams might have him that high, uh, especially since he was on a Sask- Saskatoon Blades team that was not the best team. I mean, he really didn't have much kind of in the way of talent around him. Um, Nolan Neen and, Ch- and uh, Scott Walford are solid defenders, kind of 20 years old. But apart from that, he's had um, Kyle Krinkovich, who was another well, a guy who's a lot smaller than him, at five foot seven on his line. Um, and yeah, really not that much kind of extra apart from that. So he didn't have that much to work with. And managed kind of 10 points more than his line mate. And also scored um, a lot of points at 5v5. At times, they also had uh, Kirby Dash, his little brother Colton, playing on the line with him. who's going to be eligible next draft and will probably go pretty highly. Uh, but yeah, he um, he's the kind of guy who you just go, well, he's just so projectable, I think. Apart from his size, he's got good skating. He's really diligent. He's a good penalty killer. He turns the puck over. He can play center and wing. In terms of what he could be, when you look at someone like Nicholas Albay-Cobel right now and the impact he's making on the Flyers, I think Robbins could be like a, the next kind of Albay-Cobel. And Albay-Cobel, I think, was a good pick in the second round. So if he's there in the second round and there aren't any really high upside guys there, I think he's definitely worth taking a shot on. Yeah, I don't think too many people are upset with, <clears throat> excuse me, the way Albay-Cobel played this year. So if he could turn out to be that, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, third third line players like that are essential to team success, I think. Ted, any any last thoughts on uh, Tristan Robbins before we move on to Ronan Seeley? Tristan Robbins, I've heard great things about, but I've just never seen him play. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so let's move on to uh, another one of your guys here, Ronan Seeley, defenseman from the Everett Silvertips. Ronan Seeley, so he, like Jack Finley, is uh, very young for this draft class in August 2002 birthday. Um he is a great, great skater. Edges, pivots, crossovers, first step, separation speed, all really, really good. And it helps him in a wide variety of ways. On the breakout, it helps him create separation through fakes, crossovers, subtle changes of speed. And he creates so much space for himself that way that he can just get out of the zone with possession, with regularity. His passing, pass reception, puck control, and puck protection abilities are standout qualities, too. For a potential mid-round pick, like fourth round, I think is where most people are thinking he's going to be available. It's worthwhile bet to target players like him who have one truly standout trait, like skating ability. He rarely loses races to pucks. Puck retrievals are lightning quick. In my viewings, he didn't really find himself having to get into too many 50-50 battles because he just gets to the loose pucks first, mm. negating the need for a battle. Um, primary areas for improvement would probably be his shot. 
it's a bit of a muffin right now. <laughs> when you say muffin, what's a what's a muffin shot? It's very soft and okay. lacking power. I anticipate it'll improve over time with strength training and just practice. Could be more accurate as well. Being able to get it on net is another area where he needs some work. Using his skating ability, he should probably walk the line a little more to get more shots through. A lot of his shots get blocked. Getting stronger is just another area that he needs to do and fix because sometimes he can be pretty easily knocked off pucks and it's harder for him to knock other players off pucks who are oh. bigger and stronger than he is. Sounds um, like that's a lot. That's the core of a lot of his issues so far is his strength. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, great passer, great shooter, um, smart. His anticipation shows up with regularity. Wins most of his one, one's in the defensive zone using his feet and a stick. Aggressive neutral zone defender. He's not going to let you get into the zone with possession. He's going to force you to the outside by angling you or just taking the puck away. Like Finley, his pace of play is fast, and it's fast on a consistent basis. I look for that in the player for sure. There's a lot to like about him, and his current problem areas seem fixable. I anticipate he'll be available in the fourth round. He might be gone by the third, just because defensemen who can skate really well and can thread the needle with their passes are more in demand now than ever before by NHL teams, and rightfully so. Let me ask you a question. When when teams look at guys like this, do they look at, you know, uh, I guess I'll call it a, a lack of strength or, you know, his core issue is his strength. Do they look at that and hold it against him being as that he's only 17 years old or do they look at that as something like, okay, we take him here and we know he's going to get stronger. We take him here and we know he's going to get stronger. He's not so weak that he gets knocked off the puck all the time, but he, I mean, like most 17 year old kids, he's not completely filled out yet. So his baseline strength is workable. Okay. Something that I was just curious about. So, like, I mean, I guess it's always possible. Would teams pass over him because of that, do you think? Or would they say, you know, like you said, we'll draft him and we know we'll get, we'll, he'll get stronger? Some teams might. Yeah. There are some teams who prioritize size and strength more than others. Okay. Yeah, just out of curiosity. Because the way you described him, that seemed to be his biggest flaw was um, strength. And, you know, with a player that has speed and is winning 50-50 battles without, uh, you know, because he's getting to the puck first, you would think, okay, let's take him. And then, you know, over time, obviously he'll fill out and get stronger and he could have a solid pick on their hands in the fourth round for sure. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> uh, Alex, anything to add on Ronan Seeley before we move on? Well, I noticed him this year when I was watching Wyatt Wiley, the Flyers prospect, because they're on the same team. And one thing I would say with Seeley is he was on a defensive court that was quite deep. I mean, Everett have three guys on their defense in Wyatt Wiley, Jake Christiansen, um, and Gianni Fairbrother. And all three of them are legitimate NHL prospects. Christiansen is in the Columbus system. Fairbrother's in the Montreal system. And obviously Wiley's going to the AHL with the Phantoms uh, next year. And as well as them, they have Casper Putio, who is another draft prospect for this draft. He'll probably go in the middle rounds. So it wasn't like his path was really easy to get in big minutes. Um, so yeah, I mean, he'd putting up over 0.5 points per game and he, he is a really good skater and has a really nice outlet pass. And I think they're probably the two most important things kind of for a defenseman in the modern NHL. 
Um, so yeah, if he's there in the fourth round, he's someone who I definitely would keep an eye on. And funnily enough, he actually kind of reminds me in some aspects of um, another Flyers prospect who they took in the fourth round just last year in Mason Millman. I think he has a not so dissimilar skill set. Uh, I think Millman's a bit chippier and maybe a bit nastier at times. Um, Seeley's very reserved in that regard and not so, not half as physical. Um, but both of them, good skaters, good outlet passes, a bit overlooked because they weren't playing in such a big role uh, for that team. But in the kind of fourth round, I think he's the kind of guy who you look at his skill set and you project, well, if everything goes right, he could be a number four or five defenseman in the NHL and kind of a really valuable one of that. So I think, yeah, fourth round, if he's there, I would definitely agree with Ted. He's the kind of guy you want to want to kind of look at in the fourth round. And I think especially since the Flyers this draft, in my opinion, I think the forwards are better in the first two rounds. And I think it's likely that the Flyers could pick two forwards in the first two rounds if they're just taking best player available. So then you go to the fourth round, and if someone like Seal is there, he's the kind of defenseman who you go, well, four years down the line, he could legitimately be a good NHLer as a number four or five. Um, he has a nice skill set um, and can really grow his game going forward. So, yeah, I, I do like Seeley from what I've seen. All right. Yeah, this is why having you guys on for shows like this are great, especially for people like me. And I think most of the people listening are like me, whereas like when once it gets to the fourth round, it's like, well, I don't know who they're going to take now. I never heard of these guys. So to hear you guys describe a, a player like Ronan Seeley and, and Tristan Robbins and a guy we're going to get to in a second, it's like, all right, you know, you're giving guys like us an idea of, you know, who to look for in these later rounds, which I think is really cool. You guys are extremely knowledgeable. So let's move on. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I would say I think it helps that I think Ted and me have very similar ideas of what makes a good defenseman in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's move on to our last player on our prospect list here before we get to uh, Phantoms talk. Justin, how do you pronounce this, uh, Alex? Sourdiff or Sourdiff? Sourdiff, yeah. all right, cool. So First try. I think I've seen uh, multiple uh, WHR announcers say it differently. So. <laughs> all, right. all right, can't go wrong then. Yeah, um, he's, a, he's a player I think who you will really like. He's a... Uh, a really aggressive, gritty player in all three zones, and he can really fly. He's a great skater. Um, he's aggressive, a bit of a nasty streak in him. Um, he's only 5'11 and a listed at 165 pounds right now, but you kind of wouldn't know it with how he throws his body around. You see him a lot in the offensive zone actually throw some reverse hits, Forsberg style, when he gets a chance and really likes getting involved on the boards and around the net. And he's also quite strong when he's on the puck for his size. I would say maybe a bit differently off the puck. He really does need to add some strength and get better at his board play um, and his physical game when he's defending. But offensively, he really kind of engages with the defenseman. He's always near the slot or in the crease when the play is set up. And he's good at finding openings there. He kind of creeps into space a lot and gets rebounds, gets shots from the slot. Um, in terms of his shot, he has a really nice snapshot and a good wrister. However, I would say his shot is weirdly inconsistent. When you watch him play, um, you expect him to get a great shot off from the slot with the ability he has and roof it, and he'll just flutter it into the um, like end over end into the plexiglass at times. And you're like, well, what is going on there? But if you can get more consistent with his shot, that will be dangerous. And his speed and his skating ability means that he's really good at entering the zone quickly. And one thing he's really good once he's got into the zone is slowing the play right down and finding a teammate with a pass. He's generally listed as a center, but he pretty much played all year um, at right wing. He can play center, but I think going forward, he's probably a right wing because while he is an okay playmaker and he has a really good IQ, I don't think he's an amazing passer. He's just good there. Um, and he's real. I think he just plays the game better at wing because he's so good at entries and slowing the play down once he gets there. And he projects to be very good on the boards and around the net. He's also a guy who has the kind of qualities that you generally see that coaches really love. He can penalty kill. 
He's a reliable defensive player. And he's generally out there in the last few minutes of the game, killing off a game. He can take uh, face-offs because obviously he's a winger. He's played center. And so he's used there as a second face-off man in the final minutes of the game. Um, And in terms of the rest of his skills, he's got soft hands that he can use at really high speed, which is what I like. He maybe doesn't have the high-end hands of some guys at the top end of the draft, but he can use his hands at a high speed, um, which is really impressive. And something I actually think he does better than Luke Evangelista, who I also really like. He plays net front on the power play, but be there, I don't think, at the next level unless he really kind of gets a lot bigger and a lot more physical. Um, and that's where it comes to kind of his improvement. He needs to get bigger and stronger to win more physical battles going forward. But apart from that, I think he's a really high floor guy. I'm not sure he really has elite offensive upside. I don't really see him having much more than 50, 55 point potential as a winger. But it's really hard not to imagine him being a good bottom six winger at very, very worst who could be a really good second line forward because he kind of just has all the ability you would want to see in a third line winger already. You know, like we talked about with um, Robbins and Evangelista before that, all three of them, I think, they're already solid defensively. They all compete penalty kill and they all commit defensively and don't mind being physically engaged and have plus skating. So, you know, he has those that kind of uh, mix of skills where you go, I just don't really see him not being an NHL forward going forward. The other thing that I think he needs to improve is his consistency. He has games where he just completely disappears, but some of that might be to due, due, due to being physically underdeveloped a bit, especially for the kind of player he wants to be. You know, he wants to be gritty and aggressive and get to the net and mix things up. Um, and he doesn't quite have the frame for that yet. Um, but he's a kind of guy who I think some people would project him to go. I think I, I imagine there's a couple of teams who have him as an early second rounder and potentially even a first rounder. I wouldn't take him late first round i think he has a really nice skill set but i'm not sure he kind of has the upside to merit taking him there um but if he fell to the flyers second round pick he'd definitely be a really really good option there and someone who in a few years time you plug in on a second third line right wing he could probably have hit 50 points for you and he's going to cause trouble around the net and i think he's the kind of guy who flyers fans especially would really really like to see in orange and black you know it's interesting that you you made that uh comment there at the end because i was going to ask you We've talked about guys like Maverick Bork on past shows and uh, uh, a couple of guys we haven't talked about in in Tyson Forrester and, and Ty Smolonic and Jake Neighbors, Damon Hunt. These are all guys that I've seen projected to go towards the end of the first round. And uh, I'm looking at here. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Uh, NHL Draft Center, uh, top 31 North American prospects. And it has uh, Justin Sourdiff ranked 23rd. And it has a uh, Maverick Bork ranked 22nd, and then uh, some of the other guys I mentioned, uh, who are going in the back of the first round, like going right after Sourdiff. So I'm like, huh, did this guy just get a boost, or has he been there all along? He's been a guy people have had their eyes on for quite a while. You know, last year he played for Canada Red at the World Hockey Challenge in the 17 and played a decent sized role there. Last year he was up in the top six for Vancouver Giants, had a slightly disappointing playoffs, I would say, but in the regular season played a really good two-way game. He played for Canada under-18s at the Hlinka, um earlier, well, last year now, and he got five points in five games for them. And obviously, they're a kind of stacked team, and they had Perfetti and uh, Lapierre and Byfield and Drysdale and Foudy and Jarvis, and all these guys were doing well at that tournament. But he, he looked good there and was utilized on the power play and used in tough minutes there. So he's, he's been a guy who's been on people's radars for a while. I think the only reason he's not a surefire first-rounder is maybe that people don't really see kind of that first line upside from him they just see a good second liner but if he falls to you in the second round and i think it's very likely i I would project him to probably go 
anywhere between 35 and 55, most likely. And if he falls to the Flyers with that pick, he's the kind of guy you pick and you just know in four years' time you've probably got an NHLer. I would rate his chances of being an NHLer as, you know, two out of three, 66%. Unless something falls off in his development, he's going to be a good third liner, kind of whatever, and bring some energy and be able to penalty kill for you. So, yeah, um, he's the kind of guy who is there in the second round. I think he's a pretty safe pick for a second-round pick. I think out of the guys that you guys talked about here, if they can land Sourdiff in the second round and they can land Finley in the in the fourth round, I think that's pretty damn good uh, drafts there, uh, depending on who they get in the first round, obviously. But out of, out of the guys you, you guys mentioned, Finley and Sourdiff, I think, are the two that I want. Uh, before we move on to some Phantoms talk here, Ted, did you have anything you wanted to add on Sourdiff? Uh, not really. I just heard good things. Would he be a guy that you'd be okay with the Flyers taking in the second round? Seems like a good spot for him from what I've read and what I've heard. I haven't really seen him too much. Okay. Kind of putting you on the spot there a little bit. How dare you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's move on to some of the the juicier stuff we have here. We have some Phantoms talk for the first time on the HW Prospect Show. Uh, And this is more your forte here, right, Ted? Yes. All right, so let's get to some of the players on this roster here. Let's start off, because I don't think we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about Morgan Frost on this show. I think mainly because he got a lot of time with the Flyers, but technically he's still a prospect, right? Because he didn't play enough games to... Uh, he, he could he could still be in the running for Calder Cup next season, right? Yeah, I think so. I think he has less than 25 games played so far. Technically he's still considered a prospect? Yeah. Yep. All right, so let's talk about Morgan Frost a little bit. Uh, Morgan Frost... He had a pretty good first professional year. Um, I think the main thing for him moving forward is finding some semblance of consistency because he was pretty inconsistent for some decent stretches there. Um, When he's on, he is one of the best players on the ice. When he isn't, it's not that he's one of the worst. It's just like, why aren't you showing up here? You know what I mean? So... I'm happy with what he did this year. I'm just looking for some more consistency. Okay. So here's my thing. So not that a lot of guys – I don't think there's a lot of guys on opposite sides for Frost because I think, you know, obviously as Flyers fans, we all want him to succeed and do well. How do you kind of project him to be in the NHL? Is he a first-line center? I think he's a second-line center. Okay. A good second-line center. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. You know, Cooch is going to be, uh, I, I would assume, the top-line guy at least for the next four or five years, right? And then, like, sure. speaking for next season with, with Frost, like, do you expect him to be on this team the entire season? Hmm. I think so. It also wouldn't surprise me too much if he started off the season in the AHL. Yeah. I think I wouldn't like it, and lots of other fans wouldn't like it, but um, AHL, to begin with, I think there's a possibility there. Yeah. Just because of the consistency issues. Yeah, I don't think that would be such a bad thing either. And like this, the Flyers roster is pretty crowded as it is. I mean, Alex, we just had a show the other day. They they even added another bottom six player in Linus Sandine. So he, he, well, he's a right winger, right? I don't know why I can't remember off the top he of my also, head. He can also he's right wing primarily, but can play left wing as well. Okay, so that's like another winger spot. And I'm not. When Frost came up, was he playing in the center position? I can't. I don't know why I can't remember. He was yeah, pretty much center, yeah. He was, pro- he was playing center, okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he slides into 3C maybe next year with Hayes and Couturier playing one and two. That'll be interesting. I, I think I would like to see him blow the doors off in camp and make the team and stay up. Uh, do I think he's going to do that? You know, I'm not sure. And if he doesn't, I think it's okay to let him play with the Phantoms a little bit and, you know, kind of rack up some points and maybe bring him up, you know, a quarter of the way into the season or whatever to inject some life into the team, whatever. I'm excited. I am. I'm excited for Frost. I'm excited to see how his game is going to translate to the NHL, you know. Um, Alex, any thoughts on Morgan Frost? I mean, I'm, I'm a really big Frost fan. I think in the NHL this year, I think he showed 100% that he belongs offensively. I think when he was playing, he was really dangerous, created so many prime chances, scored some beautiful goals, and looked at home when he was playing in the top six with really talented players. I think the issue really is he's still a bit physically underdeveloped. And while people look at Frost, and I think people who haven't followed his career just think, oh, he's an offense kind of only player. Frost was a fantastic defensive player in the OHL and one of the best penalty killers in the league. And he's been really good as a two-way player in the AHL as well when he's played consistently. So I don't think that's an issue there, um, even though he was quite poor in the NHL defensively uh, when he was up. Uh, I think it's just about getting a bit bigger and a bit stronger um, and ironing out those inconsistencies. I would also say that in terms of offensive output for the Phantoms, I'm not sure he could have probably done much more than he did. He put up over 0.7 points per game, 29 points in 41 games on that Phantoms team. And that Phantoms team, you had had guys like Cal O'Reilly and Greg Carey, who are perennial high-end AHL players. Cal O'Reilly's been in the running for the best AHL player from multiple seasons, and his scoring was cut by like 40% just by being on the Phantoms team. Same with Greg Carey. So I think Frost on a normal AHL team last year would have probably been around a point per game. But as I said, I'm not really worried about his offense. I think if he was given a 2C role in the NHL right now over a whole season, he would only get that on a poor team. Uh, he would probably put up 50 plus points in the NHL right now. Uh, wow. The issue is kind of just ironing out, ironing out those inconsistencies. Um, and showing that he can play at both ends of the ice in the NHL and not be physically overwhelmed. I do think he's the Flyers' third best center right now, actually, if you know Patrick isn't healthy. But there are flaws with his game, and I would not be happy to see him start with the Phantoms, um, simply because at the AHL, most of the time, he just doesn't have to play that much defense, quite frankly. Even um, though the team are quite poor, his line are generally the best line on the ice, and he outperforms most of his teammates in that regard. Uh, I think... If he has a summer where he puts on a bit of weight and just works on kind of the aspects of his game and physically competing more against NHL players, I, I think he's a, going to be a good third-line centre next year. And it'll be interesting to see who kind of, if him or Patrick actually would be the third-line centre. Going forward, I think most likely he's a very good second-line centre, but I can see the potential for him to be kind of a 70-point first-line centre. I mean... Obviously, that's kind of relative to the league, and he wouldn't be the one C on the Flyers, but I think he has that kind of potential to be our number one center somewhere. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Flyers roster, isn't it? I mean, there's so many guys that they have that can play center. Like, you mentioned Nolan Patrick. Like, we're all assuming, I think, that he does come back to play, uh, let's say, next season. And at the same time, we're wanting Morgan Frost to make the team next season. So it's kind of like, where are these guys going to be playing? Because we can't have two sec- uh, two third-line centers. So who's going to get moved to wing? Or is somebody going to get shipped out? I'm interested to see how that scenario kind of plays out between now and the beginning of next season. I mean, I don't <laughs> think it would be the end of the world if there were the 3 and 4C. I mean, we saw that in 2005 with Richards and Carter. You know, 
Carter was effectively the 4C for half the season when he wasn't playing on the wing and Richards was the 3C and I didn't hurt either of them in the long term. And then I think going forward, if one of them really blows the doors off and proves they're a very good second line center, it wouldn't be a surprise to see uh, Kevin Hayes moved out to right wing where he, he's played before in the NHL. So I think that's a possibility. But yeah, I think that really depends on um, how Frost's campus and that he shows that he can be a very good defensive player. I know we heard, um, you know, Vigneault wanted him up pretty much all year long and was constantly asking, I want Morgan Frost up when Fletcher came to him to ask who he wanted to play. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, if he comes into camp and blows the doors off, he's going to be on the team and probably on the team all year. That's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that about Vigneault. So he's a big Frost fan, I guess, huh? Yeah, it seemed that way from what was released from the Flyers and things I heard. So, yeah, um, to get um, AV's back in is obviously pretty good. But at the same time, AV did move him down the lineup when he was playing in the top six and then kind of moved him to the third line and scratched him a game or two here. So, you know, I think he likes his game, but I think as well at the same time, I think most people know that Frost just needs to work on one or two things and then he's going to be a fantastic NHL. And one thing I'd like to point out with him as well is there were some great uh, stats released by uh, Corey Schnazda, who kind of does micro stats for the NHL. Um, and when you see Frost's passing and forechecking on those charts, they're kind of off the charts, um, just creating so many prime chances from his passing. And also, because he's so fast, just getting in and stealing pucks on the forecheck, which I'm, I think wasn't so noticeable as, say, someone like Arbeco Bell's forechecking because he's not as physical, but he was very effective there as well. So I think down the line, he's going to be a very, very good player for the Flyers. And I think him and him and Farabee um, are going to be two of the pieces that are going to build around long-term going forward. I'm excited. You guys got me excited. I mean... But what I what I'm even more excited to find out is it's it's like a soap opera for me. Like what is gonna happen with this Flyers roster? Like Frost is easily the best prospect in the pipeline, right? They have to find a place for him to play. He's he's no doubt the most creative uh prospect they have offensively. And I'm dying for that. I'm dying anytime you can put more offensive uh creativity, a player like that. On the NHL roster, I, I want to see it. I can't wait for that because, I mean, how long have we watched boring hockey, guys? Like the last four, five, six years, right? Too like much. I was, I, I was screaming for a player like that in the off season, and you know, I I wanted Duchesne and and not Hayes. Little did I know that Hayes was exactly the player that I was I was going crazy for. But anytime you can inject offensive talent like that, I I want it. Like I need it because I I've, I just want to be entertained, you know. And, it, and Frost flashed a little bit of that. Didn't he score his, his first goal? Wasn't it kind of a, a neat little goal, if I can remember correctly? It was awesome, yeah. Yeah. Completely deked out Bobrovsky. Yeah. Well, I mean, a Vesna winning goal. I mean, I know he had a crappy year, but still counts, you know? Yep. Yes, yeah, so, uh, I'm excited for Morgan Frost, excited for the offensive infusion. Now, Ted, you, you followed the Phantoms all year long, and I don't know about you, but... I had some higher expectations for the team than uh, for what they showed. I mean, I'm looking at just their stats here, and you can see clearly what the issue is. They had a really hard time scoring goals. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened there because <laughs> they brought in guys who, at least in previous seasons, veteran guys who showed they can actually score at a high level at the AHL and they came, they came to uh, Lehigh Valley and pretty much all of them, their scoring rates dropped like a rock. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that there's some systemic issues 
with what they're being asked to do offensively. It just kind of seems like the plan is come up with something, guys. It doesn't seem like there's a set plan for once they get into the offensive zone to create offense, to sustain possession, and to wear the other team down, to create soft ice and um, breakdown coverage and all that. So I I do think um, that had a big reason. That was a big reason why they had such a difficult time scoring goals and just sustaining any kind of tangible offense. So this you're saying systemic, and uh, the first person I think of is uh, Scott Gordon. Yes. And I think we've ta- we talked uh, in the past, and did I forget exactly what you said. They tried to go like the Avino way to start the season out, and over a period of time, it just they went back to old ways or something like that? It seemed like they were employing AV system for the first couple of games of the season, maybe like the first week or so. Mm. And then for whatever reason, they just went back to whatever Gordon wants to do, which is strange because the idea is to make the transition from the AHL to the NHL for the prospects in particular, a little bit more smoothly. It becomes in theory, at least more of a smooth transition if they're running the same systems as the NHL team. Yeah, and was there like a disconnect there? I mean, do you, I, I can only assume the coach is like, he's he's got to be the guy to enforce that. Uh, there's There was chatter about, you know, fans being unhappy with Scott Gordon this year. Is there a possibility that he's not back next season? If, if I had my way, I'd say yes. But... Um... They, they do seem to like him. He does some good work one-on-one with the prospects, it appears. Um, I just think that they'd be better suited getting a younger AHL coach to groom for the future, maybe. I think that would be a, a better way to go than what yeah. they have now. And it's so weird, too. Like I remember last season when Gordon came up with the Flyers and some fans were even considering, you know, re-signing him for the Flyers, and now it's like, okay, thank God they didn't, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the Phantoms, man. I Just seeing the influx of, uh, you know, young talent that they had on the roster, and we'll get to those guys in a second, I expected way better than how they fared this season. I mean, they were actually not a good team at all. Alex, I'm not sure if you have you did you get to watch any Phantoms games that closely? Like, did you follow? 50, I got to see about 15 or so games, but I think it's the least Phantoms games I've watched in a good three or four years because it's just wow. so frustrating to watch, quite frankly. I mean, you have a situation where well, there are a few guys who came up to the NHL, especially in Obey Cobell and Bunneman, and they looked better in the NHL than they did with the Phantoms. And especially mm-hmm. with Obey Cobell, you have a guy who's had two years of being one of the best 5v5 players in the AHL, and he was still good. He was still one of the best Phantoms players when he was down there and just didn't kind of get the scoring. But that really, really shouldn't happen. Um, and yeah, you had guys like Andreoff and O'Reilly and um, Wotherspoon and Walinski, Prosser, Bigrass. You've all had kind of pretty good resumes around the AHL for years, and they came and they just couldn't do that much. You know, I think Andreoff for me and Wotherspoon were probably the two highlights from the veterans they brought in. And neither of them were exceptional. They were just solid. And um, so, yeah, it was a bit frustrating really to watch them this year. But they do have a lot of talent, especially up front. And they're going to have even more talent next year. Yeah. And speaking of that talent, we'll touch on them real quick. So 
Next season, uh, Wade Allison, Tanner Lazinski, and Wyatt Wiley will all be playing for the Phantoms. Oh, and I, I can't forget the uh, the next uh, Ovechkin, uh, Igor Zamula, will also be with the Phantoms. So that's four very good prospects now being infused into this Phantoms team. I mean, what do you guys think? Ted, you got to be excited for that, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, they're all good players who are going to make that team better, for sure. Yeah, and it's guys, especially on Flyers Twitter, I mean, guys love Wade Allison, Tanner Lazinski. He was a sixth-round pick, I believe, wasn't he? But guys are excited to see how his game translates to the pro level. And uh, Alex, I think on, I believe it was us on past shows. Maybe it was uh, Dan and Manny. But these guys, they kind of have to show something kind of quick, don't they? They're, they're a little bit older to be playing their first year in pro hockey at 23 years old. I mean, does that factor in at all? Are they on like a, a shorter leash to produce quickly? Or how does that work? Uh, well, they're still going to get, you know, three-year entry-level contracts. So I don't think it's too, kind of too big a deal for them. It's not kind of imminent. You have to perform straight away. I, th- I think especially in Allison's case, there's going to be a bit more leeway with him simply because he's had such kind of horrific injuries over the last few years. I mean, two year contracts, even they are both on because of their age, but I think with Allison, they're going to give a kind of a lot of leeway, give him, you know, half the season if he needs it. Uh, and with Lashinsky, I think he's a guy who quite frankly, he could probably play NHL off the bat. It would, would not shock me at all. If Lashinsky won a spot at right wing or at center, out of camp because he's just got a really mature well-rounded game he's a really nice playmaker he skates well he's good on the draw he can penalty kill just everything you kind of want in a bottom six player and he's you know he played at the world juniors in that kind of role and was really good there uh, for america um so yeah i think lashinsky is the kind of guy who coaches really love and it wouldn't shock me to see him win a spot out of camp i don't think it's super likely uh, but it wouldn't shock me so i think allison and lashinsky are close to nhl ready i think allison worried me a lot after his injuries, you know, before he kind of blew out his leg, he was on pace to potentially win the Hobie Baker a couple of years ago as a 19-year-old. He was that good um, for Michigan, but well, for Western Michigan, for the Broncos. But um, after his injuries, he didn't look the same player until the last 15 games of this season. And the last 15 games of this year, he really looked like his old self again and was producing that kind of point-per-game level, being physical, driving to the net. Um, I think Allison has a higher upside than Lashinsky at the NHL, but less chance of reaching it. I think Lashinsky is very likely, at worst, a fourth-line player who's going to get 15, 20 points and play really well. And at best, it's probably a 35-point, really good 3C or a guy who can slot in at second-line right wing. With Allison, I think his upside is maybe a 50-point second-line winger who can do a lot of damage on the power play. But he's not as intuitive a hockey player as Lashinsky. He's not got as high an IQ. Um, he doesn't see the finer aspects of the game as well. But he's more physically talented and has a great shot. Um, so they're both really interesting players, and it wouldn't shock me at all to see both of them play games with the Flyers um, over the course of 2020-2021. Interesting. Ted, what are your thoughts on these two players? Wade Allison I really like. Um, especially, the, like Alex said, the last 15 games of his past season at Western Michigan, he started to look like the player he was a couple of years ago. I mean, he is mean. He plays a hard game. Um, he drives harder than that. But there are some decision-making things that kind of pop up here and there that kind of make me think that he isn't as 
as Alex said, intuitive as you'd kind of like to see. But I still think if it all breaks right, he could be a very good middle six winger. Um, potentially second line if everything breaks right, but most likely third line, very good winger. Um, Tanner Lazinski, I think he could win a spot at a camp. Um, before this pandemic broke out, I thought that uh, he's good enough to potentially get in as a fourth line center or winger this season. Uh, his game is that polished. Um, he is a very smart player and his playmaking ability, um, just his offensive ability just in general, were kind of suppressed by Ohio State's system where it was just defense first, second, third. So they kind of took away from his creativity, but I think when he plays at a professional level, like the NHL, AHL, um, he's going to be playing with better players and he's going to be a point producer. Um, third line, fourth line, upside in the NHL. Um, yeah, I really like Tanner Lisinski a lot too. Yeah, I'm, I find myself really intrigued by what you guys are saying. I mean, obviously, you know, Allison was drafted in the second round, and it sounds like he has, I don't know if I even want to say more talent. He's got, he could put up more points, right? Uh, Alex, you mentioned he could be a potentially 50-point player. But it sounds right like, top, yeah. go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think right at the top end, that's kind of his complete upside if he okay. really hits. Right, but it sounds like you guys are saying Lazinski uh, has the better chance to play for the Flyers like and, and actually hold down a spot, being a, a bottom six spot, which I find really interesting. Be- and I think I agree, because if you look at the top six on the Flyers roster now, there's really no no place to play, at least for a couple of years. I mean, uh, I think Coots and, and G's contracts expire first, if I'm it's still a long time away. I yeah, mean, it's still a while away. You know, Giroux's contract expires at the end of 2022. Voracek, the end of 2024. Hayes, the end of 2026. Konechny, 2025. Yeah, so, you know, Couturier and Giroux are the most... The two top six flyers with the contracts that will expire soonest and they're at the end of 2022. So two more years, and I imagine both are re-signed, so... Yeah. So, Allison's a guy... You know, maybe he's down with the Phantoms for a year or two, or maybe he's a guy, you know, packaged in a deal somewhere. Who knows? But, you know, one thing's for sure, if, if you're uh, if you're going to be a legitimate uh, perennial Stanley, Stanley Cup contender, like, I, I think you guys would agree. It looks like the Flyers are shaping up to be, you know, and it looks like we were going to get a little taste of that this year. This team has depth on the NHL roster it looks like they're going to have some solid depth on the AHL roster and there's going to be more guys. There's going to be a more, another influx of uh, young prospect talent with this year's draft, you know, bottom six guys are essential for a team's success. So if Lazinski ends up making the team and he's a bottom six guy, awesome. Right. Uh, we mentioned again, Linus Sandin. We're not sure if guys like Tyler Pitlick are going to be back. Most likely not. Um, Derek Grant, I always got to watch with Derek Grant because I always say Ryan Grant, not the uh, former running back for the Packers. It's Derek Grant. <laughs> and uh, who, who's the other guy I'm missing out? I always leave him out. Nate Thompson. So these are these are positions and roles that are going to have to be filled. And 
they're open. We saw it this year was kind of revolving door uh, with some others. Some of these other names we're going to bring up here, and you know guys like Rupsov, and we saw Bonamin Torinsky up through that revolving door. Uh, it would be nice to have a couple spots locked down. So it'd be interesting to see if Lazinski can make it out of camp. Two of the more fascinating names that I want to get to here that will be up with the Flyers next year, and we mentioned. Uh, Wyatt Wiley, who's, I think, has got one of the best names. Ted, I know you agree with me there. Uh, <laughs> and then the other guy, Igor Zamula. Like, I'll just let you guys take this away. Ted, we can start with you first. Igor Zamula. Um, I remember watching it for the first time at um, training camp and uh, preseason in, 2000, I think, 2018, right after um, he was first draft eligible and he was passed over in the draft. And he just popped off the, off the page. Um, I mean, he, he plays fast. He thinks the game at a high level. He's very big, um, and he's aggressive. He doesn't wait for the play to come to him. He forces the play to come around him. Um, he's very proactive that way. And uh, I think there is a lot, a lot to like about it, a lot about his game. And um, I did hear that recently it came out that his back injury wasn't anything really to do with deteriorating discs. It was more some hairline fractures and a couple uh, vertebrae, which um, at least from my WebMD degree suggests that that's less of a problem going forward. (laughs) I would Um, say so. Anytime you hear the term degenerative, it's always like, oh, shit. So that's, yeah, thank, sounds thank God. terrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's going to have a clean bill of health really soon, and um, he'll be able to start training soon. I think that uh, right now, at the same stage in their career, he's a better prospect than Myers was um, as far as thinking the game, his play in the defensive zone and in the offensive zone. But Myers' physical tools are kind of unmatched. Um, I think that Zamula could be a middle pair, very good middle pair defenseman in the NHL. And um, he seems to have the mindset to make it at all costs. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really high on Igor Zamula. You know, the way, and you're not the first person that's talked about Zamula like that. I, I love that, especially about a younger kid. Like, I love to see. You know, you mentioned take initiative. I, I love that term when a guy can go out and, and change the play or, you know, he has that much of an effect on the play on the ice where he dictates what's going to happen. Like, that's an alpha male. When when someone describes a player like that, that's the first thing I think of. This guy's an alpha male. He's going to dominate. He's going to dominate the ice. Maybe he dominates the locker room. Maybe, you know, chances are he's got an alpha male personality. I love those kind of players. The well, let me stop right there. I'm not going to say anything that I'm worried about because there's nothing we got enough to worry about. Let's talk about good things. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to see what Igor Zamula can do next year with the Phantoms because uh, you know watching highlights and what he did during the World Junior Classic, it's like holy shit, this kid wants to win. He loves to play and he wants to win. And Alex, I I can't remember again, but I think it may have been Dan and Manny, but somebody said I think it was Dan actually, Dan Silver that. He's kind of Alex Ovechkin-esque with his energy, and I think he's, he was spot on. I mean, I got to spend a bit of time 
I've spoke to Zamula, I spoke to Zamula in person um, at the World Juniors. Um, and, you know, saw him practice every day, um, saw all the games and saw him on the bench. There is no doubt he's got a pretty infectious personality on the bench. He's constantly talking. He's constantly talking on the ice. He wants to be involved in scrums. And he's also generally, I would say, when you speak to younger NHL prospects and prospects in general, mostly they're a bit reserved. You know, they're 17, 18, 19 years old, um, are wary of how they come off, um, are quite kind of cautious. Uh, you really don't get that with Diego Zamula. He's an extremely confident kid. Um Bordering on cocky, but I think in a good way. Um, we were talking about, you know, um, how he sees himself. And I talked to him about not being drafted. And he basically said, yeah, being drafted doesn't mean anything. I always knew I could play in the NHL. Um, and he's That's talked about, you know, he's right there, man. He's talked about, um, you know, he, he knew as soon as he went into kind of the Calgary Flames camp, he was just as good as anyone there. Um, and he wants to play on the Flyers first pairing with Provorov one day so you know he's he's a very confident kid and he's gets chippy and physical i think he could play in the nhl right away if he was just a bit more physically developed i mean i think he could play in the nhl and do a fine job anywhere on a bottom pairing right now but i do think it would be in the flyers benefit and his own benefit to give him a bit of time at a pro level um and let him put on a bit of size because he is really really quite skinny for his size but everything else he has he's really good defensively he's more polished yeah i would agree with ted that he's more polished than myers especially defensively at that age. Um, he's not quite as good a prospect as Sanheim at the same age, but I think a similar level um, to Myers. And down the line, I can see him being a very good number three defenseman because he has all the attributes to be. He's a good skater. He's good offensively. He sees the game well. He's got really nice gap control. He's aggressive at the blue line. And he's got a really high compete level. And I'm, I don't usually like using this word compete level, but you can see it with Zamula. It, it's extremely obvious. Um, so yeah, he's a guy who I think um, will, Flyers fans will warm to very quickly once they see him at the pro level. You brought up a couple things, and what I was going to say that I was worried about, I'm wondering, uh, a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid with, with this kind of, uh, I guess, charisma or you know, uh, borderline cockiness, uh, that kind of personality in a locker room amongst you know, veterans, and I'm first guys I'm thinking of are Giroux, Voracek, w- w- could that potentially ruffle feathers at all, do you I think? Mean- from what I've heard about the Flyers locker room in general, obviously it's all hearsay or whatever, but when it's repeated enough, you know, you've got guys who came in like Konechny, who's kind of also and kind of quite outgoing character. And from everything I've heard, you know, the guys at the top of the Flyers locker room, Giroud, Voracek, Raffle, Hayes, are very welcome into the younger players, generally fit them in really well. And with Zamula as well, he speaks with Provorov quite often, is apparently has a pretty good relationship with Provorov. So I just don't see it being a problem. And He's a guy who is, you know, relied on to speak on ice. He does the same in Calgary. He doesn't have a letter in Calgary, but um, he was offered one, apparently, at the start of the season and turned it down to just focus on his on, on hockey and not worrying about kind of, you know, having a letter on his shirt or anything like that and what that might mean. And uh, he just wanted to play hockey. Um, but he's generally seen as a guy who was on the World Junior as a leader on that team and a leader in Calgary. So I think it's, um, as I said, a good kind of cockiness. He knows he's good. But I don't think it should really rub anyone the wrong way. It's, it's not a situation, you know, of someone like Sean Avery. Yeah, right, no right. End, nothing like that. Okay. And then the second question I had was, a guy who has a lot of pride, I guess, would say that, you know, not being drafted doesn't bother me. I know I'm going to play in the NHL. Did you kind of get the sense at all that, yeah, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder or no? 
I don't don't really think so. I think he just wants to play hockey to as high a level as possible and loves playing the sport. Um, and I mean, it's more impressive that he did what he did this season with multiple fractures in his back as well. You know, um, he's a really, really good player. And I think he's the him, York, um, alongside kind of Myers, Sanheim and Provorov. With those five going forward, they're five guys who I think it would be a surprise if, to me if all of them weren't top four NHL defensemen for a long time. Wow. There's definitely a lot to be excited about on the Flyers blue line. And it's all it's all homegrown talent. Like, when's the last time in your memory that you can think about that the, you could say that about the Flyers? They've had homegrown defensemen. Like, any good defenseman they've had in the last however many years, and I'm thinking Pronger, Desjardins, Tiemann, and uh, I'm missing people off the top of my head, Strite, all people they brought in from the outside. Like, it's it's they've never had this that I can remember. Uh, so yeah, I think you really have to go back to kind of the seventies, yeah, um, with with Watson and people like that when they had Bladen, Wilson when they had kind of top pairing defensemen who were really homegrown. Obviously, they had like Nienemar and Pitkinen who All went right. on to be top defensemen, but they went on to be top pairing pairing number two defensemen elsewhere than the Flyers. Seidenberg went on to be a top pairing defenseman for Boston. So yeah, they've really they've really not brought through many guys before this decade who've been staples on the defense for the team long term. So Having five of probably the most talented 15 defensive prospects they've ever had all in the system at once is kind of pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. And then we're going to talk about another guy who's maybe not so much, you know, a high-end tier guy. Uh, did we Wait, did we touch on Wiley already? Did we talk about him? Because I remember yeah, saying I, I love his name. I with Zamula. <laughs> okay, easily, right? I mean, he's such a, a great player. Uh, it's easy to forget about Wyatt Wiley, but... Uh, Ted, let's talk about Wyatt Wiley a little bit. I mean, not only does he have a great name, he's got a little bit of offensive skill. Yeah, um, I, I really think that his passing ability is going to help him produce some points at the next level. I'm just not sure that the creativity needed to be something like a power play to quarterback or something like that is there with him. But I think if he was used in that role in spots he'd perform admirably. Um, I think where he's going to bring a lot of value to the Flyers and to the Phantoms first is um, his play away from the puck. Um, One-on-one, he doesn't really get beat very often, and his ability to get the puck out, either skating it out himself or just passing it to a teammate who's uh, about to go across the blue line, just a kickstart transition is valuable. And I think that there's NHL potential there. Um, I think as a good five or six, um, potentially more I mean, if everything breaks. He's a good player. I really like watching Wyatt Wiley. Yeah, I just, I love him because of his name. And then he had a pretty solid season with the Everett Silver Tips. And so to see him sign as a, uh, ELC, correct? He signed a, a three-year ELC, is it? Yep. See, when he signed that, I was pretty stoked. I would really like to see how his game translates to the pro level. Uh, you mentioned we play him with the Phantoms next year. They could use a guy like him. They had to go out and sign a couple guys to play on the Phantoms this year. Um, so to have a guy come up through the system that will most likely be there for at least a year, you know, maybe two, depending on what happens with the Flyers roster. Alex, what are your thoughts on Wyatt Wiley be- before we move on to some of the uh, guys already on the Phantoms roster? Uh, with Wiley, he's just a really solid player. Good gap control, good at his own blue line, a solid passer. I don't think he has amazing upside, 
quite a lot of his production in the WHL was on the power play, and he's not going to get really that at the pro level. Um, but he's the kind of guy who I think, with some good development, a year or so, year or two in the AHL, I think he could be a really good bottom pairing defenseman in the NHL. And he's a righty, which helps his cars there as well. Yeah, those guys are pretty coveted players uh, these days for the Flyers. Uh, they went out and got two guys in Braun and Niskanen who can play the or right-handed shots. So, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll definitely be to his advantage in a couple years. So, some of the players on the Phantoms already who were prospects and some of the, the first player that comes to mind for me, and I don't mean to put him out there like this because he was recently on the on uh, HW, but kind of sums up the way the the Phantom season went. I think is Isaac Radcliffe, like a guy that you had a lot of. At least for myself, I had higher expectations for him, and it seemed he didn't really find his way until the tail end of the season there, and unfortunately it was cut short. But, Ted, what did you see out of Isaac this year, and, and, and why did he struggle? He struggled because there, the uh, flaws that were in his game at the junior level are still there in a big way, and um, those include his short area acceleration, Um it takes him a little too long to really get moving, um, and that's exploited at the professional level. Um, that kind of hurts him creating space for himself, um, helping it with puck, puck protection, which is also something that's kind of a difficult thing for him at the moment. Um, the good thing is that, like you said, he was playing better towards the end of the year. But um, I think the runway is pretty long for him. He's a, he is a project um, and a worthwhile project for sure. There is enough in his game that worries me, makes me wonder if there is legitimate middle six NHL potential there. No, that, that is, that's really interesting because that's what I was going to ask you. The, the flaws that he has in his game – do you believe that there's something he can fix and fix in a couple of years or something that's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, there's just something missing there? I think the short area acceleration is something that he can fix just with more uh, strength training, um, more work on his skating. Um, the puck protection has been an issue for years, and it's one of those areas of his game that, I'm not sure how fixable that is just because it's been a problem for so long mm -hmm. and um, creating space for himself as well. I think it is fixable. It's just kind of ties all back to that short area speed and just working on that, getting better there. If I think he needs a couple of years in the AHL and um, if he shows enough improvement to where his baseline is for those specific areas of his game that need to be fixed, I think that there's NHL potential there. But there's a lot of hoops to be to jump through to get to that point. I'm wondering, and you know, I could easily look this up, but I'll ask you guys, was it the smartest idea to start him with the Phantoms last year? I mean, I think he, he couldn't really start anywhere else. He was yeah. too big, too strong, too good kind of for the OHL. He put up 50 goals in 65 games last year. Um, he's too good for the ECHL, quite frankly. He's a so he was a solid AHLer this year, but he was a solid bottom six winger in the AHL, who was probably a below average third line winger in the AHL this year. For me, I like some of what Ted says. 
for sure with his start area skating and his protection is an issue. The thing that worries me most, actually, though, with Ratcliffe, I've thought about it a bit when he was in the OHL, but it didn't concern me quite so much, is his hockey IQ. Um, in the OHL, he relied a lot on kind of being a lot bigger than most people, faster in a straight line than most people, um, and being more skilled than most people, quite frankly, because he is a skilled player. He's got a good shot. He's got good hands for his size. He can he can play hockey. Um, but in the AHL, a lot of the time, he just seems slightly a step behind the play. Some of that with his shot area skating, but I don't think his skating is really bad apart from kind of his little burst and acceleration. He's, he's good when he gets up to speed. Uh, he just seemed to kind of lose the play every now and again. I mean, he, he penalty killed quite well when I watched him there. That was He was impressive in that regard at times. Um, but yeah, his IQ kind of concerned me. And when he was in the OHL, after he was drafted, his kind of first season, I thought, well, maybe this is a guy who has second line potential. Maybe he could be a 45, 50-point player. And since watching him in the AHL this year, I've I've not completely gone off him. I think he can still be an NHLer, but I would meter that and say now it would shock me if he became more than a good third-line winger at, at best, really, because mm. I'm not sure I kind of see that level of hockey IQ um, to be a top-six player in the NHL. And I think that's the most important thing, to be a top-six player in the NHL. Yeah, I would agree, especially a player who they, they drafted in the second round for the hopes that he would be a top-six player. So to have him... I don't know the way that we're talking about him now. I'm not sure his game would translate to being a third line player, right? Um, I mean, he can penalty kill and he works hard defensively and he's big and he, he can be physical, um, even though I wouldn't say he's a power forward by any means. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he was a third liner in a, in a few years and a pretty good one as well, but he needs to work to get to that place. Okay. So let's transition a little bit here to another second, uh, second round pick and, you know, I don't mean to be ending the show on kind of like a, a gloomier negative note here, but some of these guys, they just didn't perform. And LaBerge was kind of coming back from an injury. Uh, I believe it was concussion last year. Played, I, I think he played a full year this season between the uh, Phantoms and the Royals. Uh, okay numbers. Ted, what did you see from Pascal LaBerge this year? At the AHL level, he was okay. Um I had heard that he did well at the ECHL level. I I think he was trending upwards until he had that horrific, horrific hit that gave him that massive concussion a couple years ago. Since then, it seems like there is a reticence to drive hard to the net, play in the dirty areas, and I think that's hurting him, putting up points, um, helping the team sustain possession, uh, things like that. So at the AHL level this year, he was okay. I mean, similar-ish impact to Radcliffe, bottom of the lineup player, good in spurts, but kind of not all that effectual or effective. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not sure there's a spot for him at the NHL level. And I'm not sure that, especially with the Flyers' depth at wing throughout the system, I just think there's better players who are going to, and who already have kind of leaped over him. Yeah. And it's a shame. Uh, this is a guy I was rooting for because, you know, he's described as a two way player. He's got a good set of hands, uh, looks to pass more than shoot, but he can develop an, an offensive uh, game. It's just a, it's just a damn shame, man. What a concussion can, can do to you. I mean, it's hard for me to fault the kid because, you know, I've never been through something like that, but I imagine it's hard getting back to normal, especially when you play a game where, you know, there's, there's 
a ton of contact. The game, you know, it, it played at an, at an incredible speed. And then the AHL is a little bit rougher than the NHL. Yeah. I, I'm really feeling for this kid. I'm rooting for him to come around because I would like to see him succeed. But like you mentioned, Ted, there's kind of spots filling up in front of him while this is happening, unfortunately. Alex, anything to touch on for Pascal LaBerge before we move on? I mean, I was an enormous fan of his in his draft year. I thought he was a first-line, I mean, a first-round kind of talent, a late first-round talent, but a first-round talent. I was happy when the Flyers drafted him. But yeah, since his draft year, I mean, I saw some positives this year in the AHL. He definitely played fine in the AHL, you know, third-line level, but decent level there. And, you know, he showed he's skilled. He has a good shot. He can skate. He He's committed to a two-way game, even though I think his defensive IQ at times is a bit of a mess and he loses men. But he's a solid player, but... I think he could end up being one of those guys who, even if he develops in a year or two time, he might end up just being, you know, the famed tweener, like skilled enough to play in the NHL, but not quite good enough to be a top six player and doesn't have the attributes to be, uh, you know, fourth line kind of guy um, because he isn't amazing defensively. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I'm hoping for the best for him. And, you know, he's a guy who I've really liked for a long time, but he just doesn't seem to have developed how you'd really want him to since he's draft year. And I guess some of that really is to do with the concussion. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. I mean, but but like you said, even if he is a tweener, for as competitive and, and you know, challenging for the Stanley Cup year in and year out as we think the Flyers could potentially be, who knows? Maybe they might need a guy like Pascal LaBerge to – they might need some of these tweener guys that are, you know, uh, maybe they come up to the NHL and they got something to prove, you know, so – Hoping for the best for LeBurge. Right now, his outlook doesn't look great as far as playing for the Flyers. Hopefully, he has a solid year next year with the Phantoms. Uh, going back to that same draft year, we mentioned LeBurge was taken second round in 2016. How about the first round pick in 2016? And I'm talking about German. Is it German or German? I always call them both. German. Like German. Okay, German Rubsov. What's going on with him, Ted? So... He did seem to have a solid start to the season um, in most aspects. And then um, it seems like his comfort area, at least since getting drafted, is to focus on defense above anything else. And um, that kind of comes at the expense of his offensive abilities and his production. And... Unfortunately, it just wasn't there this year. Um, I mean, the defensive—he's a good defensive player, good on the penalty kill, um, smart, smart player. I just need to see him push north a bit more and take some more chances offensively because he has the ability to do so. He just seems reticent to do so, and um, he was one of the underperforming players and it was kind of a bummer because last year before his uh shoulder injury that kind of knocked him out for the year he was doing all the things that i'm saying that he wasn't doing this year he was very active offensively up in the play and i just want to see him get back to that because when he's doing that he's the best version of himself yeah you mentioned before he was injured last year so i was looking over his track record here and i'm like hey you know what He's never really lit up the score sheet like that, so I'm not expecting a you know, a point-per-game type player here, but he did have 10 points in 14 games in 18-19 before he got hurt, with six of those being goals. Uh, had a really strong camp with the Flyers this year. Uh, 
a guy that I like and wanted to make the team just didn't really look right with the Flyers, though. And I thought in the four games that he played, didn't play a, a ton of minutes. Uh, didn't think it was the worst thing in the world for him to go down and you know get a full season in with the, with the Phantoms, uh, having missed a ton of time last year. But when I look at his stat sheet, and and I know he's focusing more primarily on, like you mentioned, the defensive aspects of the game. I still expect to see more than two goals in 42 games from you know a former first round pick, right? I mean, yeah. this is not a defenseman we're talking about here. Two goals and 11 assists in 42 games. This is, you know, this is a, a top six center, former f- former first round pick. So uh, there's something going on this year, I, I think there. And you know, and from what you said, it sounds like he's not pushing play. He's focusing on defense more, which is, yep. I guess, it's disappointing in a way. But I don't know. Even even 20 to 25 points, I would have liked to have seen from uh Rupsov. Alex, anything you want to touch on for German Rupsov? I mean, I really like Rupsov's game. And the issue I have is he's really a Jacqueline Hyde player. You've seen it his whole career almost now since he was drafted. When he went to Chikatimi, first of all in the QMJHL, he's put up twenty two points in sixteen games for them and was one of the most dominant players in the QMJHL. And then the next year went to Akedi Batters, a better team and just was a middle sixer for them. He went to the World Juniors and looked really quite good, not blowing the doors off. And then went to the Phantoms. And last year with the Phantoms, he started the season so well. And he looked like the best version of him that he can be. And I think, wow, this guy could be, you know, a 50-point player and play NHL second line. But then this year, he just looked reticent to do much offensively and focusing on defense, didn't shoot enough, didn't drive the play enough. He played really well defensively, I think. Um, And he is a good AHL player already. I think when you look at some of the Phantoms scoring, I think Rupsov, um, Cachet, especially, were two guys who probably played better than their statistics showed. Um, but still, even if the Phantoms had been a better team and his statistics showed, he would have probably only been at 0.5 points per game. And you do expect more from him than that. So it's a really a big year for Rupsov. I do think, to a degree, he might be better employed at left wing full-time going forward. He played well there for the Russian national junior team. Um, and while he's good defensively, it would be nice maybe to take a bit of that defensive responsibility off his shoulder, put him with someone like Lashinsky at center in the AHL and just tell him, come on, German, like, just go and do what you can do. You, you're talented enough to score some goals and play some really creative hockey. I mean, I think he will be able to play in the NHL. It's just a matter of where, if he's a fourth line center or a third line left winger, or if maybe, just maybe he can unlock the ability he has because he has all the attributes to be a, a very good player. He's a good skater. He's got a good shot. He's a really, really dominant puck possession guy when he chooses to be. He passes well, and he's really good defensively. You just like to see him kind of kick that other gear in offensively, and it'll be a big year for him, I think, this year because they're, he's one of the guys on the list where you go, he's one of the people who should be up if someone gets injured. If he starts the season well, like he did in 2018-19 for the Phantoms and starts being at 0.8 points per game or whatever and really forcing, imposing himself in the AHL, then he'll be one of the first call-ups, be that at left wing or at center. Um, but this is a big year for Rupsov. I think he still has the potential to be a good NHLer, but he has to prove it. It's a huge year for him. I'm, the the pipeline's only getting more and more filled with with prospects, and you know we're kind of talking about you know it's getting filled on both ends here, right? That we mentioned that the Flyers roster is pretty stocked up, and now if you're in the middle, you're kind of getting sandwiched. It's like, dude, it's gonna get pretty close to make or break, like. You know, you got to produce or you're going to produce somewhere else or you're going to stay down here. 
hopefully, like LeBers, you know, things work out for Rupsov because it's another player that I think we all like. We'd all like to see succeed. A guy that's kind of been lost a little bit with all these names down with the Phantoms, and I only have two more names left here, guys. I know we're like an hour and a half in, so I'll make it quick. But Maxim Sushko, Alex, he's a, he's kind of he had an okay year for his first year with the AHL Phantoms, putting up you know for just looking at points, 21 points, 53 games, 11 goals. Thoughts on uh, Maxim Sushko? I mean, I've liked Sushko for a long time. The first time I saw him in person was at the World Juniors when he almost saved Belarus from relegation. Put up eight points in six games as the captain and was just really, really impressive there. And then went to the uh, World Championships where I, I attended the World Championships in Copenhagen and he played for Belarus there as a kind of 18-year-old kid. And he just flashed every now and again and you were, wow, this guy's a future NHL player. There was one play he made for Belarus in the corner against Sweden where he made John Klimberg fall to the ice. Wow. Um, imposing himself physically and then cutting back on Klingberg quickly. And Klingberg's one of the best skaters in the NHL and Klingberg couldn't match his edge work in the corner. So I really like Sushko. And I mean, I would meter that by saying, I don't think he has any more than good third line winger potential. He's skilled, but he's not that skilled. Um, but he's a kind of guy who's a, I would say maybe a bit more mature than some of the other players in the AHL. He really knows his game well. He's played at, you know, he's played for Belarus at international level 16 times now um, for the senior national team, mainly in a fourth line role. But, you know, he's played against men for since he was uh, 18 years old. Um, and when he was even a 16 year old, he was playing against men in kind of the Belarusian like second tier. Um, so he knows his game well. and He's a good player and he's a well-rounded player. He's a good skater. He's pretty good physically. He's a solid penalty killer. Um, he has a decent shot. He's a decent passer. Um, yeah, he's not got amazing upside, but it would shock me if he wasn't at least, you know, a guy who played a couple of seasons on a fourth line right wing, third line right wing role and did a decent job. And yeah, this year, I think he probably got maybe a bit lucky in terms of his point totals. Cache got less points than him by a couple of points, but I think Cache actually played better. Hmm. Um, but yeah, his marquee, I would say, offensive skill is he has a really nice shot. He can really rip the puck uh, when he gets a chance. Uh, but yeah, I think he was one of the bright spots on the Phantoms. Um, he had some real games where he was the Phantoms' best player and also penalty killing and being solid in the defensive zone. And it wouldn't shock me actually next year if he had a similar or even better year than this year and potentially was a guy who the Flyers looked up as a call-up. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a name that I think we forget about with all these, you know, these other guys that we, we've talked about already. Obviously, he's one of the names that I brought up lastly in the show. We kind of forget about Sushko a little bit. Ted, what did you see from Maxime Sushko this year? Maxime Sushko was, apart from Mark Friedman, one of the bright spots on the Phantoms. Um, I really liked his play this year. Um, he was pretty consistent in um, his play, and I do think that there's NHL potential there. Um, he's strong, uh, really good on the boards, goes hard at the net there's a there's a lot to like there and uh, I was really happy with his season for the most part and uh kind of bummed that the season ended for him in particular because uh he had a good first professional season yeah going by the numbers yeah I mean it's a guy that like I mentioned you know we could forget about a little bit but numbers wise had a solid year and we're looking to see if he can improve on that next year maybe he gets a call up or two see what happens with Maxim Sushko. Uh, there was one more guy in particular that I wanted to talk about, but let me ask you guys before we wrap up. 
Was there anybody that you wanted to talk about from the Phantoms roster that I missed? I mean, I would always love to talk about David Cachet. I think okay. everyone knows that. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell. You brought him up a couple of times. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone knows how much I've liked Cachet since he was drafted. I could not believe he fell to the Flyers in the fifth round. I mean, the only reason he fell was his size. He was a standout at the under-17, under-16, and under-18 international level. And since then, he's developed kind of as I would expect. You know, he had a bit of a tough time in the Czech Republic, not getting many minutes. But since he went to Sweden a couple of years ago, he was one of the best young players in the SAL. Went to the Phantoms last year after playing four times for the Czech national team. And the only reason he didn't go to the World Championships for the Czech Republic was he broke his hand um, in the in the games before the before the championships. And last year for the Phantoms, he was a real bright spot. 23 points in 40 games. And quite frankly, this year, I think he played better than last year, even though he only got 19 points in 51 games. He's a really skillful player. He's feisty. He's a similar stylistically at times to Arbe Cabell. Not quite as physical, but he's a puck hound on the forecheck. He's diligent on backcheck. And I mean, he played center when he was younger. And you can really see it because he is diligent defensively. He's not an intuitive defensive player, but he really works hard there. And that's the reason he got called up to the NHL. The numbers might not have jumped off the off the sheet, but he was generally always on the right side of kind of the possession battle in the um, AHL. And he also got a lot of shots off this season um, and a lot of dangerous chances. He probably deserved to score quite a few more goals than he actually did. And he was, he, he was yeah, impressive. And he was actually one of the few phantoms, even though he was minus two, he was on the positive differential in terms of 5v5. Uh, 26 goals for and only 25 goals against when he was on ice. Um, and he also draws penalties at a really good rate. Um, I think, really, he was one of the guys. Albe Cabell did it before him. Um, but he was the kind of guy who got up there, created chances, made defensemen impede him by, um, you know, holding him or hooking him because he was going to get a good chance. So, yeah, he's a guy who I don't think he's very far off NHL ready. And I think we probably saw that when he came up to the NHL. You know, he's got a... He's got a goal against his brother's team when he was um, up against the Anaheim Ducks. And he's, he's not his brother. His brother's a better defensive player, Andre. Um, and his brother is a bigger, stronger player. Uh, but David has some similarities to his brother's game. And if he can just continue to get a bit stronger and maybe be able iron out his defensive game a bit. He's a good defensive player, but he's just not intuitive enough there. He could be a really, really good third-line winger at the NHL level. And in short order, within the next year or so. So, yeah, I really like Cachet's game, and I think uh, his numbers in, with the Phantoms this year didn't do him justice. Yeah, I could tell you, you liked him. I heard you bring him up, and I'm like, okay, like Alex likes David Cachet. You know, you look at his, like you mentioned, his numbers with the Phantoms weren't necessarily there, but while he was with the Flyers, I don't think he looked out of place, right? Yeah, I think he's got all the attributes you kind of look for in the NHL. He's a good skater, he's tenacious, he's a good forechecker, good stick, works hard defensively. Um, I'm not sure his offensive skills have really transferred to the pro level like he could have done. At junior level, he was one of the most talented under 18 year olds in the world. Um, but, you know, he's not quite physically imposing enough and hasn't quite got the hands or quite the shot or quite the passing to be a top, top line, top six player. But I think his other attributes make up for that. And he could be a really good third line player down the line. Yeah. And like we mentioned, those guys are needed on, uh, on good teams. You need those bottom six guys. Ted, anybody you wanted to touch on? Did you want to touch on the same player? Or do you have somebody different in mind? I'll touch on uh, Kasha. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was another player who stood out in a positive way in the Phantoms this year. Um, he's a little spitfire. He 
constantly his motor never stops strong four checker very creative i do think that there's nhl potential there i just i I wonder when he'd be called up because there's just so many wingers now yeah so many (laughs) it's like turning into a problem almost isn't it Eh, it's a good problem to have though yeah i think as well, we have, I mean, I don't like to bring them up and bring the mood down a bit, but look at the Penguins in the last few years. You know, they've had they've had guys who are just constantly coming up at 23, 24 years old and providing some um, really good play in the bottom six. I mean, this year they had Sam Lafferty, who'd never played an NHL game, came up, was instantly kind of a really good fourth line who could fill in on the third line. They had Theodore Blugas, who came up kind of maybe a bit more well-known than Lafferty, but, you know... He'd been sat in Wilkes Bar for, you know, one, two, three, four years. And then he got his chance full time with the Penguins and was a really good third liner for them. They also had Zach Ashton Reese as a college free agent. You know, they had Rust before that and Gensel and Simon. And these guys were all waiting. Sheary as well. These guys, some of them were waiting for three years to get their chance. But they were able to fill them in in the NHL roster on 700K a year and providing good bottom six players. And with guys like Sushko, with Cachet, um, with Ratcliffe even, it might be that they have to wait two years at the end of their entry-level contract or on the first year of their new RFA contract to actually get an NHL chance and a legitimate one. But for the Flyers, I think it's only a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It is a good problem to have, and it's a problem, like we mentioned earlier in the show, that I can't remember the last time they've had a problem like this. You know, they're usually the team with a depleted... uh, prospect uh pipeline and they're they're the team that's going out and you know buying up all these players and whatnot and it finally feels like they have you know if they if they have to go to the prospect well to call up a third or fourth line guy they can you know and they have like guys like frost who you know and and even patrick that they can put on the second line or potentially play on a top line really it it's it really feels good when we talk about these guys and the fact that the NHL roster is filled out the way it is, it's just there's so much excitement, among uh, at least for myself with this Flyers team. I know you guys got to be excited too, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we didn't even touch on goalies for the Phantoms. We could do like an entire show just on what's going on with the goalies in the, in the Flyers pipeline. I mean, but real quick, like, we have a couple minutes left. Let, what's a couple more minutes, right? So... Uh, Ted, you watched the uh, the Phantoms this year. How which goalies were on the team by the end of the season? Ustamenko and uh, Lyon. Okay, and then uh, who was who was it with the Reading Royals? Was it Ustamenko or was it somebody? It was um his name escape his name's escaping me now. What the hell's his name? Felix Samson. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how Ustamenko fared this year? Um, at the AHL level, he had about a game and a half of really solid play. And then you could see that there were some speed bumps along the way, some adjustments that he does need to make moving forward. Um, there was a bit too much flopping around instead of uh, staying in position, tracking pucks. That's pretty much as far as my expertise goes when it comes okay. to <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Uh, Alex, anything to add on on Sandstrom or Ustamenko? I mean, I think with Sandstrom, I actually watched a few Reading games early in the season, and he's a guy who I thought his whole career, he would never have issues with confidence. 
when he was playing in Sweden, he would get lit up because his defense fell apart and he just looked like he would set again and play, you know, like it was never an issue. If it was five nil, one nil, he would play exactly the same. Um, he played fantastically in the first few games of Reading this year and got lit up in them. I think there was one game where he led in five goals and was in for a shout as first star because they had like 10 one on nots, two on ones, three on twos. But wow. it did seem then when I saw him later that his confidence just got knocked um, and he didn't play to the talent level he has. And I think potentially the lack of structure in the ECHL versus Sweden where he was playing the SAL for the last four or five years, at probably the third best pro league in the world, might have thrown him a bit. Um, he's a really talented player, and I would argue probably the most physically gifted of all the Flyers goalie prospects. His work down low is ridiculous. He has some of the best pads of any goalie prospect still in the world, and we saw that when he was named you know, the best goalie at the World Juniors a few years ago. Um, but yeah, next year I think it's a big year for Sandstrom. Obviously he was adapting to a new culture coming to North America, but you would have still expected him to be better. Funnily enough, last year he played one game for the Phantoms and played really well. And this year he got came in in a game for the Phantoms and played really well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see him up with the Phantoms next year for at least, you know, three quarters of the season or so, because I think he can play at that level. He played at a similar level in Sweden, and obviously the angles are different. It's a different league. You see less shots in Sweden, but a bit more danger maybe. He's a good goalie prospect, and I wouldn't be completely discouraged just going off his stats. Okay. Is... Is Lyon under contract for next season? Um, he's not as of yet. Um, and it would be interesting to see what happens in that regard. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, the Flyers aren't going to go with Sandstrom or Rostomenko as a backup. They're not going to go with Lyon as a backup. And I guess they go out and either re-sign Elliot or bring in someone like, say, Talbot, um, bring back uh, to be the backup. And then, you know, Lyon's a UFA. Did they bring in another veteran goalie who maybe can go down to the ECHL instead of one of the young guys if he, if they don't perform well? So. It's going to be interesting to see if they go with the Nostomenko and Sandstrom tandem next year. That would be interesting, yeah, because if something does happen on the NHL roster, you're calling up one of those two guys. Interesting scenario there. So let's wrap it up, guys. We're almost – somehow we're almost two hours in and completely apologize for that. Like uh, I did not expect to go almost two hours, but I'm almost glad that we did because I had a blast. You guys were awesome to talk to. I learned a lot. Right back at yeah, you. Really cool. Uh, so – Let's wrap up. I'm actually going to be back with Dan and Manny to cover the goalie prospects in the Flyers system on the next episode. So we'll have more to talk about there. Uh, before we wrap up, Ted, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter? All right. You can find me on Twitter at thatguy11920. And then correct me from what I said, I think, in the beginning of the episode. I said Philly Authority. You you write for Puck Authority, right? Yeah, the Puck Authority. Puck Authority, um, last word on last sports. Last word on sports and phillyisflyer.net. Perfect. So you can find all Ted's work on those sites there. Uh, Alex, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Um, at AV Appleyard. Pretty simple. Um, and yeah, also uh, follow the Athletic Philly because there should be some really nice draft coverage coming up in the next few months. Well, whenever the draft may be held. Yep, so a lot of great stuff coming out from The Athletic. Ted, thanks for hanging out, man. We're going to definitely do this again as long as you uh, you know, you know, want to come on. I promise we won't keep you for two hours. Absolutely. It's been great, man. Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, always a pleasure. Alex, always a pleasure. We're going to sign off, guys. Everyone stay safe. Yep, Wash your hands. Cool, man. Yeah, we're going to go. We'll, uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, in another week or two. So thanks for listening, guys, and everyone stay safe.
Shut up and sit down.